Hi, listeners. Thanks for checking out the 100th episode of Go Fact Yourself. A couple of things before we get started. We recorded this episode as a live stream with video thanks to our friends at public radio station KPCC. You can watch the entire unedited show on KPCC's Facebook page, which we've linked to in the show notes for this episode. And just to let you know, our guest DJ Jazzy Jeff had some technical difficulties, so his audio does sound like he was recording this episode underwater. He wasn't, by the way, but if it helps (laughs) you to imagine that he was... Enjoy. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And now, here's episode 100. Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong, and now socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Strat. Hello. Thank you so much, Helen. How are you on this event, the 100th episode of Go Fact Yourself? I cannot believe we have been doing this for 100 episodes, J. Keith. I really can't. I was When we started this, I was literally a much younger person. <laughs> that, that, that tracks. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. I was thinking about when we recorded episode number one, it was in November of 2017. Uh, the I know. before times. The, the way before times, yeah. At that time, I was living alone. I had one cat. Now, I am living with two cats and perhaps more importantly, a human woman who somehow has agreed to become my fiance. I understand your life has changed a little bit as well since then. My life has changed dramatically. Since 2017, I have bought a house with my sister. My sister, who is a single mother by choice, had a baby. And because they're both my roommates literally on the other side of this wall, <laughs> I call myself a single mother by no choice. Wow. No choice <laughs> wow. in the matter. So I'm re- helping uh, my sister raise a baby. So essentially, I have had kind of a baby. Yeah. I bought a house. I also more seriously got breast cancer. So I have uh, brand new boobies. Wow. So lot, lots of change. Lots of change well, I th- since. I think the takeaway here... <laughs> Uh, listeners, is that if you want to get engaged, get a house, get a baby, and get new boobies, start a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Helen, who was up first? She is a multiple Emmy-winning contributor to CBS Sunday Morning and a regular panelist on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, it's Faith Saley. Hello, Faith Saley. Hello. It's so nice to see you all and to be here. Helen, do I say mazel tov on being an aunt slash single mother by no choice? I mean, you could, and I will say thanks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah that's, that's the appropriate response. Yeah. And Jay Keith, do I say mazel tov? I, I never know if you're supposed to say best wishes or congratulations when someone becomes engaged. There's like an g- old-fashioned gendered thing about that. Did you know that? I did not know that. You know what? As long as you get us a gift, either one is fine. Okay. Okay. That's <laughs> yeah, fine. Yeah. Gravy boats are heading your way. <laughs> oh, goody. An armada of gravy boats headed my way. Faith, you, of course, 
are very familiar with Ms. Helen Hong here because you both have been on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. I looked into the statistics that people keep on the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me show. You have come in first place on more than half of the shows on which you have appeared. Helen, a little bit less. What is the secret to your success on Wait, Wait? I am a pathetic striver. Everyone else on the show is way cooler than I am and they do the show just to be funny and I'm Hermione Granger. I like my look look y'all I'll show you right here. It's it's the magical pink legal pad on which I scrawl all my notes. I have had the pleasure of losing the game on wait wait to Faith many times and it's because Faith like I don't even I, I don't even bother trying anymore cuz I know when I am playing with Faith she's rolling up with like multiple legal pads full of scrawled notes. <laughs> And jokes and information from the news, and I'm like, I mean, what's the point? I'm just, but, I'm just winging it over here, like. It's but that's just... what makes you cool. Well, you mentioned about uh, striving for recognition and validation. You actually had a book and a solo show that you adapted from that book called Approval Junkie. Uh, you described yeah. it as a personal story of a lifetime spent looking for validation in all the wrong places. What are some of those wrong places where you went looking for validation? I don't mean to brag, but yeah. I competed in my high school pageant four times until I won. If I had to graduate when I was 30, I wasn't leaving until I became Miss Aphrodite. <laughs> and, you, and you did? You became Miss Aphrodite? Oh, I became Miss Aphrodite in 1989, Jake Keith. Oh. Wow. <laughs> okay. Faith, you go back a long way with podcasts. You actually did one of the first ever podcasts. And uh, the most recent I podcast know. you're doing is about how Broadway came back after the pandemic. Tell us what got you interested in that and, and what that show's all about. It was pretty gutting for all of us who love theater and who do theater when the pandemic shut it down, which happened to my off-Broadway show as well in 2020. Right. So what was amazing about doing this podcast for Audible was that I got to tell the very personal story of my show changing over the mm -hmm. course of the pandemic and returning to off-Broadway while we featured big, splashy, flashy shows like Mrs. Doubtfire. For example, the kids in Mrs. Doubtfire, when you're right. cast to be an eight-year-old kid and then a pandemic happens and you come back and your voice has changed and you're six inches taller. Oh. Like these really incredible personal stories are just fascinating. They're really, they're really moving. Wow. Well, I'm a huge Broadway fan, so I cannot wait to dig into that. Last thing I want to ask you about, you mentioned that you came up performing in musical theater. You did your first college musical with someone that people may not think of as a musical theater performer. Tell us about that. Not only was this person in the show, I had to flash him on stage. And then we made out at the cast party. Yeah, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. What? Most, wow. most people don't think of him as yeah. a uh, musical guy. But he's a song and dance man. He can, can he, can he Matt sing? Matt Damon can do anything. He Aww. didn't, he didn't really, really have to sing in this role. He just had to be, he talked with a really thick Boston accent and was adorable and hilarious. Oh, that tracks. Yep. We, we yep. all know he can do that. <laughs> yeah. We all know, we all know that. Yeah. How you like them apples. Okay. I'm putting it together now. Uh, Faith, it's wonderful. <laughs> oh, Jake okay. Keith, that's yes. what he said when I flashed him. Oh, <laughs> I do like them apples. Faith Saley, so happy to have you here. Thanks so much for being I'm here. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. All right, Helen, against whom will Faith be competing? He is an actor, producer, and multiple Grammy-winning hip-hop pioneer. It's the magnificent DJ Jazzy Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, I'm excited. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. It's you. <laughs> I am, too. Can I be very superficial? Please. That's what we're here for. Jeff, you look 
way younger than I am and <laughs> very handsome and adorable. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Jeff, Helen introduced you as the magnificent DJ Jazzy Jeff. That is a term I had heard before as a nickname. But you on Twitter have been calling yourself DJ Jazzy Jeff the Tutor. Uh, where did that come from? Is that something to do with the class that you've been doing? I started a DJ course, How to DJ Right, <gasps> just trying to make people understand the structure of a DJ, the job of a DJ is piecing the right records together. How long do you play these records? It's really creating the emotion. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I really wanted to show people because I think once you kind of get a peek behind the curtain, you have a different level of appreciation for what a DJ actually does. It's similar to stand-up comedy in that, like, everybody thinks they could do it. Yes. <laughs> everybody thinks it's easier than it looks. And it's like, mm, try, uh, you know yeah. what? Hold up until you try it. Absolutely. You're very specific about the kind of things that people will learn. And what stood out to me is it says, you'll learn how to approach DJing in the same way that DJ Jazzy Jeff does. So how do you approach DJing specifically? Taking people on a trip. Mm. It's, it's a journey. I like to know how long am I supposed to play? And that allows me to have a takeoff, a flight, and a landing. Mm. Like those things are very important to me that you have to know technically when to get people on the floor. You have to know how long to keep them there. You have to send them to the bar and to the bathroom. <laughs> you have to bring them back to the floor and Ooh. then you have to send them home. And wow. at some point, you have to play Total Eclipse of the Heart. Am I right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is not karaoke. <laughs> yeah. That might be the going to the bathroom part. That's really interesting. Well, you know, I think it just goes to show you there's so many art forms where it really comes down to telling a story. And even in DJing, you can see that in, in what you're describing as well. That's really cool. You, of course, are known for playing jazz on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air for so long. And now someone else is playing a character named Jazz on a similar story called Bel-Air. What was it like when you found out that they're doing this gritty reboot? I know you were just in L.A. for the screening party. What's that experience been like for you? It was amazing. Morgan Cooper actually took it upon himself to create a theatrical trailer for The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and just uploaded it. And 33 hours later, Will contacted him and was like, I love it and I want you to come out. And that got the ball rolling. Whoa. It's still surreal to me. Mm -hmm that I was on the original show. Right. Hmm. So I haven't gotten over that. Now I have to get over <laughs> someone playing me thinking it's surreal on the original yeah. show. So oh, yes. that's Twilight Zone. When success just keeps coming. <laughs> you were in L.A. for the screening party, and uh, your son actually DJed that party. What was that yes. like doing? Did, did he take your course? No, he didn't have to. <laughs> He's been DJing for a while, and I've had the pleasure of doing maybe about four or five different shows with him. Every time I'm fighting back a tear mm. because this Aww. is you know something that you've always wanted, and it was just a proud dad moment of me sitting back listening to him play and I would be in the middle of conversation and he would play something and I would kind of turn around and I would kind of give him the thumbs up. Well, I oh, wanted to wow. give him the thumbs up. He, he did a really good job. That's very cool. Last thing I want to ask you about, some of our listeners will remember that you had previously been on our show as an expert back on episode 87 with Sean Devlin. Also on that show, we did a topic on otters and you had stuck around for that and had, <laughs> had heard the otter expert do the sound that otters make when they're doing certain activities. And you said that you were going to integrate that into a track. I, I want to know, are you ready to debut the hip hop track using the otter sounds that was inspired by your appearance on Go Factors? 
I am still waiting for the right song to put the outer noise in. Okay, okay. Like, I realize you can't just throw an outer noise in a random song, so it needs to be there. I'm feeling a little left out. Can you impersonate an otter for me so I just know what y'all are talking about? I can't. It was an expert that actually did that. It was like that. And when you hear that, you think... A new hip hop track. Thanks so much for joining us again, DJ Jazzy Jeff. We're happy to have you here. All right, Jeff and Faith, we ask each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Faith, you said you know a lot about the Lincoln Memorial, the musical Sunday in the Park with George, and Coca Cola Cake. Whereas yes. Jeff, you said you know a lot about the early days of hip hop pre-1985, the 82-83 Philadelphia 76ers NBA championship season, and making popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> Variety is indeed the spice of life. Later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, waiting to exhale. First up is faith with waiting. While they both might describe something that is weighty, what is the difference, faith, between weight and mass? Weight and mass. Hmm. So weight is how heavy something is. I'm sure the word gravity comes into play. Okay. I, I feel like mass has to do with density and size. Oh, this is pathetic. Not um, at all. I'm no, gonna no, no, no. Say, just I'm going to say. Just put a period on what you just said and we'll be good. <laughs> Period. Semicolon. <laughs> I just added the semicolon and a bonus to sound semicolon. smart. All right, mm-hmm. Helen. Helen's going to take that into consideration when she scores. All right, we've got Faith's answer. We don't know yet if she's entirely correct. Jeff, if you don't <laughs> think she's got it, you can steal. What do you think? One is how how heavy, and okay. one is the size. Okay, so similar similar to what Faith was saying. All right, well, this segment is weighing us down. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Weight is how much gravity pulls an object downward. Mm. Mass is how much matter or stuff is in an object. Here on Earth, we measure weight and mass nearly identically, but things change if we go into space. Someone weighing 200 pounds on Earth would weigh about 33 pounds on the moon because the moon has less gravity pulling them down. But their mass remains 200 pounds no matter where they are in the universe. So you can't gorge yourself on cheese cake just because you're going to the moon. Oh, nuts. That's right. By the way, weight and mass can use the same measuring units like pounds and kilograms, but only mass gets to use units called slugs and blobs. Yes, those are real scientific measuring units, slugs and blobs. Helen, how did our guest do? I am going to give Faith one point because you did Yeah, but how much would that be worth on the moon? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> less are you sure you want it yes. right yeah. yes. 3.333 <laughs> because you said how heavy and you did say somehow gravity is involved <laughs> yeah. so i'm going to i think i'm pretty being pretty generous here by too. giving you the one point you said density and size for mass and that wasn't quite you were kind of in the ballpark but not quite so faith i'm going to give you one point all right up next in waiting to exhale it's jeff with exhale jeff your question comes from a listener who is it helen I will let them tell you themselves because we have a listener recording. Listeners, if you would like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. Okay, hit it. 
Hi everyone, uh, this is Anusha Krishnan from Atlanta, Georgia. And my question for what's the difference is, while they both involve exhaling, what's the difference between breathing and respiration? Thank you so much. I love this show and I wanted to offer my congratulations on your 100th episode. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. How sweet. Very lovely. All right, Jeff, you heard in your show, what is the difference between breathing and respiration? Breathing is inhaling and exhaling. Good start. Respiration has to do with your heart. Has to do with your heart. Okay. We've got Jeff's answer. We don't know yet if he's entirely correct. Faith, what do you think? Well, the first thought I have is that some people sweat and then fancy people perspire. Mm -hmm. So I I think that breathing might be what the hoi polloi do and very, very refined people respire. But but I also was thinking, you know, there are respirators, right? Mm -hmm. There's there are machines called respirators. And we don't have machines called breathers, really. Mm. So I wonder if respiration is maybe the act of filling lungs. Act of filling lungs. All right. Well, this segment is suffocating. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts. Here are the facts. All breathing is commonly called respiration because it's part of the respiratory system. But not all respiration is breathing because... Breathing is the movement of air between the atmosphere and the lungs, allowing the human body to inhale oxygen and exhale carbon dioxide. Respiration is, specifically, the exchange of gas through a membrane. And in the context of the human respiratory system, it takes place in two different places, at the lungs and in individual cells. At the lungs, that's physiological respiration. In the cells where the cells metabolize oxygen into food, that's cellular respiration. That's right. And we are talking here about human breathing since fish, for example, use gills to obtain oxygen. And that's also called breathing. So don't believe anyone who tries to tell you that fried fish lungs are a delicacy that costs hundreds of dollars. I wouldn't fall for that. Again, Helen, how did our guest do? So I will give Jeff one point for inhaling and exhaling. And then neither of you quite got respiration correct. All right. One point for Jeff. Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, it's evenly matched. J. Keith, Faith, Saley has one point, And DJ Jazzy Jeff also has one point. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Oh, Helen, it's time to talk about HelloFresh. Everyone, skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Eating healthier has never been easier with low-cal, carb-smart, vegetarian, and pescatarian options every week. And no matter what you choose, every single recipe is packed with fresh produce sourced directly from farmers. Try the quick and easy meals, 15 to 20-minute dinners, breakfast on the go, and 10-minute lunches in HelloFresh Market. Perfect for your busy schedule. I got to tell you, they sent me a box of HelloFresh, and I knew it was going to be good. I knew I had to say it was good. I was shocked at how actually good it was. It was amazing, and it's so much easier to make than some of the other meal prep kits that I've tried. What's great is I ended up not only with some great recipes like their pork sausage spaghetti bolognese and their white cheddar Wonder Burgers, amazing, but also I learned some techniques that I've already used in cooking my non-HelloFresh meals throughout the week. It's so good, so easy. I cannot recommend it enough. 
Helen, how do they get in on this HelloFresh goodness? Go to HelloFresh.com slash GoFact16 and use GoFact16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash GoFact16 and use code GoFact16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Thank you, Hello Fresh. Um, hi, I'm looking for a movie. Oh, I got you. Uh, there's that new foreign film with the time travel. There's an amazing documentary about queer history on streaming. Have I told you about this classic where giant robots fight? Or there's that one that most critics hated, but I thought was actually pretty good. Ooh, I know. The one with the huge car chase, and then there's that scene where the, the car, car jumps, jumps over, over the submarine. submarine. Wow, who are you eclectic movie experts? Well, I'm Ify Wadiway. I'm Drea Clark. And I'm Alonzo Duraldi. And together, we host the movie podcast, Maximum Film. New episodes every week on MaximumFun.org. And you actually just walked into our recording booth. Oh, weird. Sorry. I thought this was a video store. You seem like a lady with a lot of problems. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Faith Saley and DJ Jazzy Jeff. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much. All right, Faith, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the Lincoln Memorial, the musical Sunday in the Park with George, and Coca-Cola Cake. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what the Lincoln Memorial means to you. As you know, I'm on CBS Sunday Morning, and Mm -hmm. what that means is that for every story I do, whether it's like the geometry of pasta or how point shoes are made or the history of pockets, I do this mini deep dive into Mm -hmm. the cultural history of that, right? Then I can't remember it ever again because I have to em- I have to empty my brain for the next thing. Because knowing you, your version of a mini deep dive is a major, major deep dive. Right. And so, J. Keith and Helen, I have just done a story on the Lincoln Memorial uh, ah. because it is the 100th anniversary <gasps> of the Lincoln Memorial. And it's, what? I wow. went there with a park ranger and got a, like a behind the scenes tour and saw all the Easter eggs. And and I feel, I feel ready to be an expert on it this week. <laughs> but if we had been recording the show next week, Oh, no. All all bets are off. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, you also said you know a lot about the musical Sunday in the Park with George. I was always a musical theater kid in the 80s. I wanted to be Bernadette Peters. Like, Mm. that's the person I wanted to be most. And I got the perm and sang the songs. And like all great works of art, I have found that returning to this amazing Sondheim musical it speaks to me in different ways at different stages of my life, right? Mm. So when I saw it as I was going through my divorce, there's a song called Move On. I would play that over and over and it and it truly buoyed me. Mm. During my off-Broadway show, I would listen to some of the soundtrack in my dressing room and now that I'm like an old weepy mom, the song <laughs> Children in Art yeah. makes my face wet. And, and and so I, it's just one of those amazing works of art that you can return to and it has tendrils that, that wrap themselves around you. And then as a super name droppy but really meaningful coda, in the past year, my family has become really dear friends with Mandy Patinkin and his amazing wife, Catherine, and their son, Gideon. 
And if you had ever told like jazz hands teenager Faith Saley <laughs> that like Mandy would be our pal, I would have I, I I wouldn't have computed. Believe me, if I were friends with Mandy Patinkin, you would never stop hearing about it. So the fact that you waited this long is frankly impressive. All right, Faith, and then finally, you also said you know a lot about Coca-Cola cake. I don't cook, but I bake, and my go-to dessert oh. is a Coca-Cola cake. Now, it is just solidly the moistest, most reliable, delicious chocolate cake. What's really cool about it is that it has really trashy ingredients like Coca-Cola, buttermilk, and marshmallows. Mm-hmm. But somehow, because I've lived all of my adult life outside of the South, it's also esoteric. Like, mm. where do you get a trashy, esoteric dessert? Well, <laughs> it's a Coca-Cola cake. Wow. I have to be honest. I had not heard of a Coca-Cola cake before. Uh, you told me this was one of your topics, and now I want to eat it constantly. So to summarize, Faith, you said you know a lot about the Lincoln Memorial, the musical Sunday in the Park with George, and Coca-Cola cake. Today, we're going to quiz you about Sunday in the park with George. Woohoo! Jazz uh, hands. Jazz hands, indeed. Although, you know, when I think of that show and its choreography from the productions I've seen, I don't see a lot of jazz hands in it. <laughs> no, there no, aren't. No. It's uh, famously had several high profile productions uh, in concert in New York and, of course, uh, on the stage. Do you make it a point of seeing all of the productions when it's in town? Yes. That, why are you even asking me that question? Yes. <laughs> all of them. And uh, you've mentioned some of the songs that have been so meaningful to you. Is there a favorite scene or a favorite spoken line that uh, sticks with you over the years? Now that I know Mandy, um, I, I think it's hilarious when he becomes a dog. He has to sing as two different dogs. But there is that line, I chose and my world was shaken, so what? The choice may have been mistaken, but choosing was not. Every time I need to know that life unfurls inexorably, I listen to that song. Wow. That is so beautiful, mm. but I kind of didn't hear what you said because I'm still hung up on Mandy Patinkin playing two dogs. Like, what is happening? Like, I've never seen this musical. What is going on? He has to play two dogs. Let's see, let's see if that comes up in the quiz. <laughs> Just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic, Faith, to test your mastery in the subject with our expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. I'm so excited. Now, Jeff, listen closely because if Faith answers incorrectly, you can steal. Jeff, by the way, how much do you know about the the musical Sunday in the Park with George? Um, not a lot. Not a lot. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here's question number one. Sunday in the Park with George premiered on Broadway in 1984, but a new generation got to see a Broadway revival in 2017 with the title role played by what actor known more for his film work in Brokeback Mountain and Donnie Darko and for not returning Taylor Swift's scarf? Jake Gyllenhaal, and I saw that production. (laughs) Helen! That is correct. That is correct, of course. Very good for the point. Fun fact, Jake Gyllenhaal also played Seymour in a production of Little Shop of Horrors, which was a topic for guest Arden Marine on episode 65 of Go Fact Yourself. Return Taylor's scarf. Yes, we are pro-returning Taylor Scarf on this show. All right, here's question number two. The musical centers around the creation of a famous painting, which, thanks in part to the musical, has simply come to be known as Sunday in the Park. But its actual title is A Sunday Afternoon on the Island of what? La Grande Jatte. Helen? 
That is correct. That's right. That is correct. Grand Jot. Uh, fun fact, Jot actually means bowl. And uh, who doesn't enjoy relaxing with a big bowl on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the painting is also known as a Sunday on Le Grand Jot. It was donated to the Art Institute of Chicago in 1926. All right, you're two for two. Here is question number three. The original Broadway production of Sunday famously featured your dear friend, Mandy Patinkin. <laughs> I'm such a jerk. Your hair idol, Bernadette Peters, and Dana Ivey, all of whose performances were nominated for Tony Awards. But another actor in the production became an internationally recognized name a few years later when he played on Helen's favorite show, Star Trek The Next Generation. Who is this versatile actor? Oh my gosh. Will Wheaton is the only name that's coming to mind. And was he even on TNG? Yes. Yes, he was on okay. TNG. Don't, don't get Helen don't. started. <laughs> Helen, is it Will Wheaton? It is not Will Wheaton. No, I'm terribly sorry. DJ Jazzy Jeff with a chance to steal. LeVar <laughs> Burton? Was it LeVar Burton? It was not LeVar Burton. No, but I'm impressed that both of you were able to successfully name cast members of Star Trek Next Generation. Wait, That'll it's keep... not Patrick Stewart. No, no, it was Brent Spiner. Brent Spiner, who played Data on Star Trek Next Generation in the Broadway oh. production of Sunday in the Park with George, plays Franz and Dennis. All oh. right. Yeah. All right. No point there for either of you. Let's move on to question number four. See if you can bounce back. You do still have your two hints available. Faith, the George in the second act, the great-grandson of the George from the first act, is also an artist who is working on the seventh in a series of electric light contraptions called what? Chroma looms. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. There she is back again. Chromalume. Fun fact, a chromalume was a late 19th century invention by Edwin Babbitt that claimed to heal people using colors. It was essentially a stained glass window composed of 16 different colors that sold for $10. For some reason, it was not proven effective. All right, here's question number five. Faith, Sunday has had a big impact on our culture, sometimes in places you might not expect. What comedy drama TV show that ran for eight seasons in the 2000s had several Several episode titles taken from Sunday in the Park with Georgia's song titles, including Move On, Chroma Loom Number 7, Color and Light, and Sunday in the Park with George. I know this. It was bizarrely Desperate Housewives. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very, very good. Fun fact, the show also used the titles Art Isn't Easy, The Making of Art, Putting It Together, and for the series finale, Finishing the Hat. All right, very good, Faith. You did quite well in that round, but now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster facts. All right, Faith, we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. People may think of Sunday in the Park with George as a Stephen Sondheim musical, and while Sondheim did write the music and lyrics, another person wrote the book and directed the original Broadway production. While this person did not win a Tony for Sunday, he did win multiple other awards for his writing and directing of the show. So for up to three points, what organization, which has awarded stage productions since 1918, but does not usually award musicals, gave this person and Sondheim the award for drama for writing Sunday? What organization, which has awarded Broadway productions since 1969, gave this person two awards for writing and directing Sunday? And who is this multiple award-winning co-creator of Sunday in the Park with George? Wait, are you telling me I'm going to get to talk to this person? I don't know. I, I mean, who can know these things? I'm just saying you, it depends. It depends. I don't know if I got the order right because okay. I'm so excited. One, the Pulitzer Prize. Okay. They won the Drama Desk Award. Okay. And it's James Lapine. All right. 
Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a legendary director, playwright, screenwriter, and librettist whose many accolades include a Peabody and three Tony Awards, the co-creator of Sunday in the Park with George, it's James Lapine! Oh my god! I Don't get too excited. I can't. <laughs> James, are you ready for me to drop a name again? When I was at Mandy and Catherine's, the first thing she showed me was your book that had just come out. And I and Well, I, there you go. You did Into the Woods? You you're you, you and you just three blocks away flying over sunset? You're like I can't I I'm I'm I I can't speak anymore. Yeah, She's little the clip. <laughs> oh my goodness! Faith took care of my uh, second part of the introduction because I was going to make sure our listeners knew <laughs> that uh, James Lapine. You of course are also known for Passion, Falsettos, Into the Woods, each of which won you a Tony Award. You also have a Peabody. You're in the Theater Hall of Fame. Plus, you have some other awards that we'll discuss later. And uh, of course, as Faith just mentioned, taking my my talking point also, you didn't just write the book for. Sunday in the Park with George. You wrote a book about Sunday in the Park with George. It is called Putting It Together, How Stephen Sondheim and I Created Sunday in the Park with George, which, of course, won an award. It was an NPR Book of the Year. But let's uh, get into it by first talking about that book. Why did you want to revisit Sunday in the Park with George some 40 years later? A publisher uh, wanted to know if I wanted to write a memoir, mm-hmm. but I had an idea it, it might be fun to revisit that time. And I'm always, up until recently, sadly, looking for an occasion and an opportunity to spend time with Steve Sondheim. Sure. So that's how it began. That's great. Um, you talked to a lot of people who had been involved with the production way back when. Did you learn something? Yeah, some- Mandy Patinkin. Yeah. Oh. Mandy Patinkin. Let, let's see how many times we can get his name. <laughs> it's, a, it's a drinking <laughs> game. Yeah. That's right. Listeners, if you're hearing us say Mandy Patinkin, have a shot. I was curious that talking with people about their memories back then, did you learn things that you didn't know from what was happening at the time? I think I learned more about myself than I did other people by just going back and having those conversations, oddly enough. Oh, tell us so, more about that. Um, how do you mean? Well, you know, when you hear what people's perceptions of you were 40 years ago and you realize often they weren't very good. (laughs) Part of doing the book was an interesting conversation about what I was doing at the time that I didn't realize I was doing, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, that's very insightful. People have talked about your collaboration with Stephen Sondheim, and I'm sorry for your loss. Obviously, it affected everybody who's a theater lover, Mm. but but not to the degree that it it affected you. People have talked about you working with Sondheim as an unlikely collaboration. Why was it so unlikely, especially at the time? Well, I actually didn't have much interest in the theater, to be perfectly honest. I was trained as a photographer and a graphic designer and just oddly fell into theater and had only uh, actually done two plays and one musical when I met him. I think he kind of grooved on the fact that I didn't really know much about him or was not in great awe when I walked in the door. So, And uh, he was coming off a a failure, actually, of a show called Merrily We Roll Along. And I think he was uh, really, I, I think, amazingly brave of him to throw his lot in with me and to go off Broadway and uh, try out this crazy show. What was it about the painting of Suraz that made you think, ah, oh, there's a musical in there? I'm not sure I knew why it was a musical, frankly, mm. but I, I knew that there was details in it that lent themselves to examination. You know, there's a painting with all these people in it and none of them are looking at each other and some of them are out of perspective. And P.S. There's a monkey. <laughs> there's a monkey? Do you know why there's a monkey? No. 
apparently prostitutes walked around with monkeys. What? And also, you know, the girls that are fishing in the painting? <laughs> yeah. That's another thing women did to let men know that they were prostitutes. Fishing. Oh, fishing. So, Interesting. Yeah. We talked about some of the revivals. Um, one of the revivals was directed uh, in the family business. Tell us about that. Yeah. My niece did the one with Jake Gyllenhaal. And so she was in the fam- and is in the family business, yeah. Anyway, I want to know what Faith's favorite role was in life. Favorite role? Yeah. Oh, thank you, you for that wonderful question. Well, in honor of, uh, you can call him Stephen, I'll call him Mr. Sondheim. I played Squeaky Frome in England. Ah. In Assassins. In Assassins, sorry, yes, Jay mm-hmm. Keith, in Assassins. It was just a, a marvelous experience to perform at the Burton Taylor Playhouse in Oxford and be, <laughs> be the sole yank in that production. So I was also uh-huh. the de-, de facto dialect coach. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, now Squeaky, why would you do that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> James, Faith mentioned uh, Flying Over Sunset, which debuted at Lincoln Center. I actually got a chance to see it. I was very happy to do so. It was, oh, it was cool. wonderful. For those who don't know, it involves a fictional or an imagined meeting between three noted people going on an LSD trip. What's next for that show? I know it closed already. Is it going to have a life beyond that Lincoln Center run? Yeah. You know, unfortunately, we opened at the absolute worst time in the middle of COVID. Yes, it will be uh, licensed and we're hoping to do a London production. And um, we have a cast recording coming out in a couple of weeks. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's cool. And do you know what you're working on uh, next or what we might be able to see? I am working uh, with an amazing person named Anna DeVere Smith. Oh, sure. And we are working on a show uh, that takes place in 1970 when Leonard Bernstein and his wife threw a party for the Black Panther Party. Uh. Tom Wolfe wrote a very well-known and controversial article called Radical Chic about that that moment in time. And I think it's going to be cool. And it is not a musical. Oh, okay. Can I ask you a question, James? Is uh, yes. Angela Davis a character in it? Well, we've talked with a lot of Panthers. We, she was not, uh, she's not a character yet. Let's okay. put it okay. that way. Faith, okay. were you looking to audition for the role? No, because her <laughs> because her niece, Issa, I, she was in that musical I did with Matt Damon and she's an amazing what? actor. Oh, that's so right. I she was, was in really? right. Yeah, she was in yeah. Passing Strange in the original cast yes. of that, which was yes. one of my favorites. Yes, is amazing. Oh, I had no idea that was her daughter. Yeah, I didn't either. That's her niece. Her name's Issa Angela Davis. Yeah. Wow. So apparently, if you want to get into theater, you got to be someone's niece. That's what we're learning. That's a special kind of nepotism (laughs) on Broadway. (laughs) James, I could talk with you about Broadway and and theater all night, but let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. Oh, the the game. The game. The game is the thing. The game. You heard the question that we asked of Faith. First, we wanted to know what organization, which has awarded stage production since 1918, but does not usually award musicals, gave the person we had asked about and Stephen Sondheim the award for drama for writing Sunday in the Park with George. Helen, what did Faith say? Faith said Pulitzer. And Mr. Lapine? Oh, yes, she was absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. Pulitzer Prize winning playwright James Lapine. That's a point for Faith. I'm celebrating not for me, but for you, James. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Faith. Next, you want to know what organization gave this person two awards for writing and directing Sunday in the Park with George. Helen, what did Faith say? Faith said Drama Desk Award. And James? Well, that's two for two, Faith. That's oh, amazing. You, you got because that I just Because you also won the Olivier. I just remembered that, right? I know, and I didn't get it. Steve took it. Oh, my God. You know, you know they only give one out? They uh, only give, 
They award it to more than one person, but they only give one, <laughs> one object. So you've got to cut Come Olivier on. in half, just get the bottom or the top half? <laughs> uh, all right, a point there for Faith. And finally, we wanted to know, who is this multiple award-winning co-creator of Sunday in the Park with George? Helen, what did Faith Saley say? Faith said James Lapine. And? Wow. Oh, I guess so. I- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well at this point. I think the jig is up. Yeah. Congratulations, Faith. A clean sweep of your cluster fact. Uh, Faith, while we have James here, is there anything else you'd like to ask or say to him? Well, first, before I get all emotional, I do want to ask you this. Is it true that Mandy Patinkin, everybody drink, got so yes. frustrated <laughs> During rehearsals early on that he ran out of rehearsal and you like chased him down 42nd Street. And is that did that happen? That's absolutely true. That's true. What did you say to him in on the street? How'd you get him to come back? It was very simple. I said, you know, if you don't want to do the show, you shouldn't do it. But we do have an audience coming tonight. So just come do the show tonight. <laughs> it was the night of the show. <laughs> yes. Wow. Oh my God. What? I think he and ran I, out around five o'clock and I just what? Uh, you know, <laughs> I said, you know, do the show tonight and then if you want to quit, quit tomorrow. <laughs> you know, so. Wow. wow. He, he really did not want to do those jazz hands. Uh, Or the dogs. Well, actually, to finish the story, that night his wife, Catherine, came and uh, also another friend of theirs. And they told him he was nuts not to do this show. So thanks to them. Uh, And Faith, if you do want to get emotional, we certainly want to give you a space for that. Oh, yeah. Let's see that. (laughs) No, truly, I hardly need to tell you this, that that the, the mark of great art is when something speaks to you in new ways throughout your life. And so I thank you. Thank you for writing things that continue to make my face wet. Well, thank you for saying that. James, it's been an absolute honor and a treat. If people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they do that? They can buy uh, Putting It Together by James Lapine. <laughs> Available wherever books are sold. Uh, what a joy to have you. Thanks so much for joining thank us, you. especially on our 100th episode. James oh, yeah. Lapine, everybody. Congratulations. Thank you, for thank you so much. Thank you thank for you. having me. I really had a ball. Thank you. All thank right, you. Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Faith Saley has eight points, and DJ Jazzy Jeff has one point with a round of questions for Jeff coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Jeff about a topic he knows about. Plus, later, Faith and Jeff will go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. All right, everybody, for a long time, you've heard me rambling on about how much I love Magic Spoon. Well, guess what? I found someone else who I think loves Magic Spoon as much as I do. Hi, Scott. Hello, J. Keith. Scott, true or false, I was at your home for a Super Bowl viewing party, and while I was there, I spotted a box of Magic Spoon in your kitchen. That is correct. The point is I wanted you here to tell the listeners legitimately why you, an actual Magic Spoon customer and friend, enjoy Magic Spoon. Well, J. Keith, I was on a diet. I was doing the keto diet. And the one thing that comes up when you're on a diet like that is that you miss cereal. And I was dying for some cereal. And then I came across the ad on Facebook. The minute I put the spoon in my mouth, I was so happy because it just (laughs) tasted like regular cereal. And I have had cereal ever since and it's been all magic spoon well of course the nutritional stuff there's zero grams of sugar 140 calories 13 to 14 grams of protein and only four net grams of carbs in each serving it's keto friendly gluten-free grain-free soy-free and low carb and of course scott as you know you can build your own box scott what are some of your favorite flavors there's so many the oatmeal flavor is delicious Mm -hmm. the graham flavor 
The most recent one before these was just quoted as original flavor cereal. It became one of my favorites right away. Well, you can build your own custom box just like Scott has from flavors like cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, maple waffle. They're always adding new and exciting flavors over at Magic Spoon. Scott, how do you think we can tell people how to get Magic Spoon? I think Helen Hong can tell us. I think you're right. Helen? How do we get it? Go to magicspoon.com slash gofact to grab a custom bundle of cereal. And be sure to use our promo code gofact at checkout to save $5 off your order. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of cereal at magicspoon.com slash gofact and use the code Go fact to save five dollars off. Thank, Thank you, Magic Spoon. Well, Manolo, we have a show to promote. It's called Backdoor Game Show. It's a family-friendly podcast where listeners submit games and we play them with callers from around the world. No, oh, sounds good. New episodes uh, happen every other Wednesday on MaximumFun.org. It's a it's a fast and loose oasis of absurd innocence and naivete. And Are you writing a poem? No, I'm just saying things from my memory. And uh, it's a nice break from reality. <laughs> Is that, are we allowed to say that? I don't know, it sounds bad. It comes with a 100% happiness guarantee. It does not. <laughs> Come for the games and stay for the chaos. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Faith Saley and DJ Jazzy Jeff. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thanks, Helen. All right, Jeff, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the early days of hip-hop, pre-1985, the 82-83 Philadelphia 76ers championship season, and making popcorn. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us why you chose the early days of hip-hop, pre-1985. I was actually around and playing music before hip hop came onto the scene. So I was one of those kids that were super excited every time a new song came out because it was a budding new culture that for the first time I felt like somebody was making something specifically for me. Wow. Mm. Very cool. What kind of music were you playing before hip hop? It was a little bit of everything. It was a lot of funk and soul. It was a lot of rock. The hip hop came along right at the explosion of the disco era. So it was pretty much a melting pot. Very cool. All right. You also said you know a lot about the 82-83 Philadelphia 76ers championship season. Being from Philadelphia, born and raised. I understand it's West Philadelphia, born and raised. Actually, it is West Philadelphia, born (laughs) and raised. I think I've heard that somewhere. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. You have to hold on to when your hometown teams win championships. Sure. Philadelphia is a place I was happy to say that I was alive to see the Flyers win the Stanley Cup, the Eagles win the Super Bowl, the Sixers, the NBA championship, and the Phillies win the World Series. Wow. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's a... that's pretty good. <laughs> All right. And then finally, Jeff, you said you know a lot about making popcorn. Popcorn was the very first thing that I learned how to cook when I was maybe yeah. about seven years old, mm-hmm. you know, with a pot, oil, the kernels, getting the ratio right. Yeah. Pretty much now, anyone that comes to my house begs me to make them pop. Do you have a secret? Yeah. Is it is it pop secret? <laughs> I just, you know, I don't measure anything. What? I measure, but it is the exact same way every single time. 
So you go on, you go on instinct. It's funny when, when I was telling people that this might be one of your topics, people were surprised. And then I realized you shouldn't be surprised. The first line of your Twitter bio currently says professional popcorn, <laughs> popcorn maker. maker. All right. Well, to summarize, Jeff, you said you know a lot about the early days of hip hop pre-1985, the 82-83 Philadelphia 76ers and making popcorn. Today, we're going to quiz you about the early days of hip hop pre-1985. Now, what is it about 1985 that's a, a marker for you, a delineation? 1985 was pretty much the shift in styles that was pretty much going from the Grandmaster Flash style of rap to the Run DMC style of rap. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty much the first cultural shift in hip-hop. And hip-hop, of course, isn't just about music. There's, you know, dance and art and all of that. Uh, were you into those elements as well? Were you, were you a dancer? Did you do graffiti art? Um, I scribbled graffiti on my notebook. Okay. <laughs> I tried to break dance, but I yeah. was not quite that agile. Yeah. And Philadelphia's cold, so kind of break dancing <laughs> in November, December wasn't happening. Yeah, you don't want to be spinning on a cold pavement then, yeah. And I gravitated to, to DJing. I, yeah. You know, every once in a blue moon I tried to rap, um, didn't consider myself a rapper. So I said, you know what? Let me just be the guy to play the music. You're the DJ. Somebody else who we don't know is the rapper. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of an expert in your topic. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints in these five questions. Now, mm. Faith, do listen closely because you can steal if Jeff gets any wrong. Faith, by the way, how much do you know about the early days of hip hop pre-1985? <sighs> can we go back to popcorn? I don't. I, <laughs> I don't know much, but I was alive and I liked it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see if Jeff lets you in. Here's question number one. Jeff, although hip-hop is now a worldwide phenomenon, it had its start in the United States, with the first breakthrough artists coming from various boroughs of what East Coast city? New York. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Uh, fun fact, although the music was made in New York, many of hip-hop's early innovators had cultural backgrounds from Jamaica, Barbados, Puerto Rico, and more. All right, you're on the board. Here's question number two. New York was the backdrop for several hip-hop movies, including what's widely considered to be the first, a 1983 release that features many early artists of the genre, including dancers, graffiti artists, MCs, and DJs, such as Lee Quinones, Fab Five Freddy, Busy Bee, Crazy Legs, and Lady Pink. What's the title of this seminal film? Wild Style. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Uh, you did not need the hint, but I know, Helen, you were eager to give the hint. What would that hint have been? <laughs> It wasn't called Tame Style. Huh? Huh? Am I right? Okay. You are right. You are right. Thank you for gilding the lily so thoroughly. Uh, fun fact about Wild Style. In his review of the movie, New York Times critic Vincent Canby had to explain to his readers what rapping is, describing it as, quote, a very particular kind of musical communication. <laughs> he wasn't wrong, but come on. Come on, Vincent Canby. All right. <laughs> Jeff, here's question number three. According to NPR's Terry Gross, whom I go to for all of my hip-hop knowledge, a DJ named Clive Campbell didn't just throw what's believed to be the first hip-hop party in 1973. He also was the first to use two turntables to create breakbeats, the foundation of modern hip-hop. Now known as the father of hip-hop, what is Clive Campbell's stage name? Cool Herc. Helen? 
That is correct. That is correct. DJ Cool Herc. Fun fact, he's also credited with coining the term B-boys or break boys for the dancers who would move to his break beats. All right, Jeff, you're rolling right along. Three for three. Here's question number four. You do still have your two hints available. In 1980, Curtis Blow's The Breaks became the first rap song to be certified gold. The track came from Blow's self-titled album, but which of the following was not also a track on that original release? Was it Hard Times, Throughout Your Years, Taking Care of Business, Rap and Blow Part 1, or Rap and Blow Part 2? I'll use the first hint. Helen, how about that first hint? Rap and Blow Part 2 was a track on the original album. Mm. Could you name the tracks again? Sure. Hard Times, Throughout Your Years, Taking Care of Business, or Rap and Blow Part 1? Throughout Your Years. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Faith Saley with a chance to steal. I mean, I was just waiting for this opportunity to say (laughs) Taking Care of Business. Helen? That is also not correct. No! (laughs) Sorry, Faith. No, both of you were incorrect. Rap and Blow Part 1 was not on that original album. Fun fact, Hard Times and Throughout Your Years were also released as singles. Rap and Blow Part 1 came out as a single in 1979, but was not on the album that came out in 1980. All right, no point there, but uh, let's see if you can bounce back with question number five. While The Breaks was the first gold hip-hop record, the first hip-hop record to break through in the pop charts was Rapper's Delight in 1979, produced by the mother of hip-hop, Sylvia Robinson. It was also one of the first official music videos. On what syndicated TV show did the Sugar Hill Gang's performance of Rapper's Delight become the song's official music video? Uh, You know, I can see it. I can see it. I can see them on the stage. Uh, I'll take the hint. Helen, how about that second hint? It's three words. The first two words are where you might go to see bars of Irish spring or ivory being manufactured. The third word is a type of dance music popular in the 1970s. So, Factory Disco? Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. <laughs> Very nice, Jeff. Nice use of the hint. Wow. I'm thinking of the sign. Good. Yep, there's Good a big deduction. sign in the music video. Great. I love that there was a show just called Soap Factory Disco. The <laughs> 70s were an interesting time. <laughs> Fun fact, Rapper's Delight peaked at number 36 on the U.S. singles chart. It went to number one in Canada. Ooh. Canadians are smart. That's All right, right, Jeff, you did quite well on that round, but here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing an expert to assess your response. Jeff, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inducted its first artist in 1986, but it took over 20 years until acts known for hip-hop were voted in. The first group to join came from the Bronx and was inducted in 2007 with a speech from Jay-Z. The second group to join came from Queens and was inducted in 2009 with a speech from an artist who just a couple weeks ago was announced as a nominee for the Hall this year. So, for up to three points... Who were the first two hip-hop groups to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? And what current Rock Hall nominee made the induction speech for that second group? Uh, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five and Run DMC. Okay, those are the groups. And then we're looking for what current Rock Hall nominee made the induction speech for that second group. Who is from Queens? Um... Or perhaps who is heavily influenced by that second group? It's not Brett Spiner, is it? (laughs) (laughs) I would say Q-Tip from A Tribe Called Quest. 
Q-tip from a tribe called Quest. All right, Helen is taking note of your answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a legendary hip-hop artist who's received a Lifetime Grammy Award and was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, a founding member of Run DMC. It's DMC, Daryl <laughs> McDaniels. <laughs> Hello, Daryl McDaniels, DMC. DMC in the place to be. <laughs> What's going on? How you doing? I'm beautiful. I am beautiful. Hello, got- Faith. How you doing? Hi. I'm so excited to James Lapine and now you. It's my head's blowing up. <laughs> the collaboration we've all been waiting for. Uh, there are a lot of big smiles here in this call. It's so wonderful to have you here, Daryl. Here's something we did not know when we booked you uh, for this segment. You recently had worked with Jeff. Yes, Jeff, we have this song produced by one of the most incredible lyricists in the game. And he's- yes. Uh, his name is, most people know him as Freddie Fox. We call him Bumpy Knuckles. Bumpy Knuckles. We have a song called Me and My Microphone featuring DJ Jazzy Jeff, DMC, Ice-T, and Chuck D from Public Enemy. Oh, wow. wow. Super Everybody good. flips out about that lineup. Wow. I, can't Im- I can't imagine why. Yes, it's the coolest thing ever. We're, we're bringing you on to talk about the early days of hip-hop. And my God, Run DMC, just the, the, the first that you guys had. I'm just going to run through a little mm. list here. Here's some of the first that Run DMC had in the early days of hip-hop. The first rappers with gold, platinum, and multi-platinum album. The first rap group on SNL, on MTV, on the cover of Rolling Stone. Wow. The first to get a Grammy nomination. The first to have a top 10 album on the pop charts. They sold over 40 million records, had legendary tracks, including It's Tricky, Walk This <laughs> Way, My Adidas, It's Like That, Christmas in Hollis, King of Rock. Uh, I, I could keep going, but my God, what a what a resume! Wow. <laughs> now, King of Rock is so interesting. Uh, talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because in the video, you guys kind of express, let's say, some feelings about the Rock Hall. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, well, well. The funny thing about it is, in 1985, we did a video in a song called King of Rock about Run DMC getting denied entry into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame what? museum. Wow. It didn't exist till '86. What? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, so you invented the Rock Hall. Yes. <laughs> and then invented not getting in, and then you got in. <laughs> exactly. And now everybody's mad at rappers getting in the Rock Roll Hall of Fame. We did not know we was that prof- prophetic. It was wow. crazy. Right? Well, if any a group is going to get into the Rock Hall, I think it should be a group that was known for blending uh, rock and rap, as you guys so masterfully did. And, and you're right. still doing that. Uh, tell us about this new video that you have that has a, a real metal edge to it. The new song out is called Ghetto Metal. <laughs> It's basically like Jeff said at the beginning of the show, in the DJ's crates, before we was even allowed to go into the studio and record, was a whole bunch of rock records. So I grew up in New York City. I'm a child of uh, the rock of the 60s and 70s. When I got into hip hop, I had high expectations and an imagination. I I never wanted to be the king of rap. Let the rappers be the king of rap. I wanted to be the king of rock. Mm. When we first made Rockbox, we was like, no, everybody's using jazz and funk and soul and disco. I noticed being that kid that loved rock with classic rock and folk rock, nobody's rapping over the rock beats. So Mm. it wasn't a thing where we said we was going to innovate and change the world. We just wanted to rock over the rock beats that we were already rocking over. Uh Very cool. Can I just take a moment to say how much I love that you all were obsessed with Christmas? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> because i love like you not only have 
have a, like one of the biggest classic Christmas. Didn't you guys put out an entire Christmas album? No, no, no. We that that song was actually on the uh, a very special Christmas, which was an album made for the Special Olympics. And the cool thing about it is, um, music succeeds where politics and religion fails. Mm -hmm. when, um, mm. when we heard that beat and the way Jay put it together. All I had to do was just think of how Christmas was for me as a little kid growing <laughs> up. And the beautiful thing about Christmas in Hollis, I'm talking about Jewish people, Muslim mm -hmm. people, Japanese people, Egyptian people all around the world likes the record because no matter what the festivity is, what do you do with family and friends mm -hmm. at a holiday? You get together and you celebrate. So I stay yes. away from the malls during the holidays because I walk in the mall and the whole mall literally recites the lyrics of Christmas. <laughs> Guilty. While I'm in there. Yeah. Guilty. I, that's me. I would yeah. be reciting the lyrics at you. I have to tell you, I have a very vivid memory of Christmas two years ago when my kids were uh, six and eight and my Jewish husband was driving around in our rental car in Florida playing them Christmas and Hollis and stopping it and explaining lyrics and then saying no now you gotta listen to this again yes, it was yes. like it was like a religious experience for him exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's, a, it's a rite of passage for people that grew up with running the MC to sit down and, yes. and, and explain it. So yeah, exactly, exactly. And you're still speaking to, to my little white half-Jewish kid. <laughs> well, it's, that's, that's really funny that you say that because um, I just put out a children's book speaking to kindergarten and the fifth graders. But when I speak to them, I let them know that you don't have to be just a rapper to be hip hop. And you could be a producer, you could be a DJ, you could be an artist. We had a universal representation with our culture, which is a way of life that was able to touch everybody else's lives. And that little element of the thing that got your, your son so excited about hip hop is missing from today's music, hip hop music. Yes. Now, a lot of the hip hoppers today think that we're mad at what they're doing. No, we don't have a problem with what they're doing. We have a problem with what they're not doing without culture, mm. but nobody mm. talks about that. When Steven Tyler took the mic stand and walked this way and knocked on the wall, <laughs> globally mm. people say that didn't just happen in the video, it happened in the world. Mm -hmm. Wow, what a message. I do want to talk about your book a little bit more. It is a book for children. It is a picture book, which yes. is something people might not expect. It is yeah. called Daryl's Dream. It's a uh, it's, it's a book for kids about creativity and confidence and finding your voice. Yes. And uh, I understand it was sort of based on your own experience of being picked on uh, as a kid, but, but you were picked on for being good. When I was younger, I got teased, bullied, and picked on because, number one, I wore glasses. I was a straight-A student. And the other thing was, all I did was read, collect, and draw comic books. And that being said, everything that was good about me, the world made me think, wanted me to think that I was worthless. Mm. But if you all remember, when I started doing my hip hop records, I wasn't like in the streets, I didn't sell drugs, I wasn't in a gang. So hip hop gave me the power to let the world know Daryl is perfect just the way he is. If y'all remember, so on my first record, I said D's for doing it all of the time. M's for the rhymes that are on mine. C's for cool, cool as can be. And Run would ask me, why, why you wear those glasses? glasses? And I would so say, so I, I can see. see. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that was so powerful that I had a confidence in myself and believed in myself. And Jeff knows this. People that didn't even need glasses wanted to wear glasses. That's right. <laughs> so that is right. The book is to do two things. Let kids know you're perfect just the way you are. And like nerdy, geeky DMC, you could become not just somebody special and have success. You could become the king or queen of whatever it is that you want to do. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, if right. I had heard that message as a kid, you know, I, I was very privileged in a lot of ways, but but still to, to have heard that message, what, what it would have done for me and my self-esteem and, and uh, self-acceptance, I, yes, I can only yes. imagine what it does for, for, for kids these days. It's so great that you're putting that message out thank there. You, thank you, thank Let's you. Let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Jeff. First, we yep. wanted to know about the first two hip-hop groups to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. How and what was the first answer that Jeff gave? Jeff said Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. And Daryl? He was correct. That's correct for the point. All right, there's a point there for Jeff. Next, we want to know what was the second hip-hop group to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Helen, what did Jeff say? Jeff said Run DMC. And Daryl? Yes, he was 100% right. But you know what ticks me off sometimes? A lot of people don't know that Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five is the first hip-hop group to be inducted. That's the right order. It had to go that way. All right, so a point there for Jeff as well. And finally, we wanted to know what current Rock Hall nominee made the induction speech for that second group, who we now know is Run DMC. Helen, what did Jeff say? Jeff said Q-Tip from Tribe Called Quest. And Daryl? Well, he was partially right. Tribe Called Quest is also a nominee for the induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But it was actually, he was just on TV. He was just on TV. He was just at the Super Bowl. It was Eminem who inducted Run DMC into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, yes. Ah, no point there. But what what did that mean to you to have uh, Eminem be your induction giver? It it gives a validation on the power and the representation. You know, Jeff, we toured Run DMC, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, EPMD, Eric P and Rock, him and Public Public Enemy. Enemy. And we always all gave something to each other. You know what I'm saying? We shared knowledge. We shared the competition was us educating and inspiring each each other. So for... For, you know, everybody says, okay, yes, Eminem maybe is the great rapper, but there's a reason he did my rock and roll speech. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, you and Jeff have this great history, but Jeff, before we let Daryl go, is there anything else you'd like to ask or say to him? Listen, I'm just happy. I cannot wait for this song to come out. This is an amazing song. When Freddie Fox sent me the song and I did the scratches on it, I was just blown away. And I'm like, people are going to lose their mind when they hear this song. So the the video, y'all, I can reveal this. We're going to base it on the Beatles' last performance on the rooftop. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's going to be all of us on the rooftop like we're this group and we're finally breaking up and it's the last performance of all of these great artists. <laughs> That's great. It's going to be crazy. We can't wait for that. Of course, people can also pick up your children's book, Daryl's Dream, wherever people get books and yep. you can watch your video, Ghetto Metal, on YouTube. Yep. Other than that, Daryl, if people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they do that? They could go to www.thekingdmc.com and my Instagram is kingdmc. 
He is the king. He is the DMC. He is Daryl DMC McDaniels. Thanks so much for joining us on Go Fact Yourself. Thank you. All right. What is our score as we head into the final round? Oh, Jay Keith, it is a tight game. At the end of that round, Faith Saley has eight points and DJ Jazzy Jeff has seven points. All right. Now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Faith and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. And you may notice a subtle nod to our 100th episode. Here we begin. Faith, there are 100 cents in one dollar. True. Correct. Jeff, there are 100 years in a century. True. Correct. Faith, a person who lives to be 100 is called a centenarian. True. Correct. Jeff, a person who lives to be 110 is called a supercentenarian. False. Incorrect. Faith, a person who lives to be 115 is called a super duper centenarian. (laughs) False. Thank you for laughing. Correct. Jeff, in Celsius, 100 degrees is the boiling temperature of water. False. Incorrect. No, it really is at sea level. Faith, in Celsius, minus 100 degrees is the freezing temperature of water. False. Correct. No, it's zero at sea level. Jeff, the Roman numeral for 100 is D. False. Correct. Faith, the Roman numeral for 100 is M. False. False. Correct. Yes, it's 1,000. D is 500. Jeff, the Roman numeral for 100 is C. False. Incorrect. No, it really is. C comes from the Latin word centrum. Faith, therefore, run DMC could be called run 500 (laughs) 1,100. I'm going to say false, but it's awesome. Incorrect. No, it really does add up to that. <laughs> Finally, just because they can doesn't mean people should call them run 500-1,100. True. Sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, we're not going to count those last two. Let's thank Faith Saley and DJ Jazzy Jeff as Helen tabulates the final score. By the way, DMC is not a valid Roman numeral because the D wouldn't become before the M and anyway like that. Uh, all right. Helen, are you ready to announce a winner on tonight's 100th episode? I am. At the end of the game, Faith Saley has 13 points and DJ Jazzy Jeff has nine points. Oh, a very high scoring game. But congratulations, Faith Saley. You are the facting champ on Go Fact Yourself. What will you do with your championship? What I want to win is popcorn at your house, Jeff. I'm ser- I love. I eat popcorn for dinner four nights a week. I want to come over. I will trade you popcorn for a Coca-Cola cake. Yes. Oh my gosh, this is truly a deal. Ah, this is going to happen. I'm so excited. A, you guys should start a catering company. Yeah. <laughs> popcorn and Coca-Cola cake. And, yes. and once again, everyone gets something out of this show, but me. All right, we're going to. <laughs> <laughs> Give everyone here on the show a chance to promote anything they might like. Uh, Faith Saley, what do you have going on? Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Faith underscore Saley. I think I'm on Instagram at Faith Saley, but I'm clearly more of a person of words than pictures. <laughs> and my website is faithsaley.com. And I just had the best time. Thank oh, I'm you. so happy to hear that. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. It's Faith Saley. DJ Jazzy Jeff, what do you have going on? Where can people find you? Hey, I do a live stream on Twitch and on my website, www.djjazzyjeff.com, called The Magnificent House Party every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern. If you want to dance in the comforts of your home, in your bedroom slippers, in your pajamas, 
Join me every Saturday at 3 p.m. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. An absolute pleasure to have you, DJ Jazzy Jeff. Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is the lovely and talented Ms. Helen Hong. Helen, where can people find out what you're up to? You can follow me on the social media, Twitter and Instagram, at funny Helen Hong. It's got to be funny Helen Hong, because there's another Helen Hong that is not funny. Not funny. funny. Yes. Not funny. No. But you are funny. You are Helen. You are Hong. Ms. Funny Helen Hong. Uh, and me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith or on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Faith Saley, DJ Jazzy Jeff, James Lapine, Daryl McDaniels, and thank you for listening and supporting our show at MaximumFun.org. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. Remember live? It's free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. Meanwhile, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com and buy our T-shaped shirt at MaxFunStore.com. And give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform, like Khalil Goodman from Barbados did on Apple Podcast. He, she, or they said, well, actually, so much fun. You will leave each episode with some great new facts you can show off at parties. Thanks, Khalil Goodman. That's a reason to have a party right there. <laughs> Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor is Julian Burrell. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by Adam Needif. Quiz assistance provided by Clint Tauscher and Mike Avellanos with Dr. John Munchrath, Dr. Ben Honigman, and Juan Michael Porter II. Promotional graphics by Eric Tran. Added support from Raven Snook, Pete Cunningham, T. Vallada, Christian Malmeme, Bob Skier, Deason McDaniels, Dave Bianchi, and Christine Vallada. Special thanks to Tracy Miller at Tracy Miller & Associates, Lynette Towns, David Lindsay Abair, and Sam Levine. For KPCC and LAist, executive producer is John Cohn. Events producer is Rebecca Stummy. Technical direction and graphics by Tony Frederico. I've been Helen Hong! Let's go listen to hip hop and eat Coca-Cola cake. Oh yes, that's, that's clearly that's clearly and, the move and, here. And popcorn. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.